0: Bear
1: down, baby. Bears
0: fans, this is Take the North, covering every aspect of your Chicago Bears in their quest to retake the NFC North. We're going to take the North and never give it back. With your hosts,
1: David Hall and Dan Weiderer. Take the North. Yes, that is the name of this podcast. We are here. For episode three, it is the morning after the Bears' second preseason game. Another victory in Seattle, 27-11. The Bears were winners. I'm David Haw from the Moline Haw Show on 670 The Score, along with Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune and a score contributor. We are going to break down last night's game, but the way we're going to break down everything Bears-related on this podcast. You can find it at... Take the North Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at David Haw and you can follow Dan at Dan Wiederer, W-I-E-D-E-R-E-R. Dan, how's it going today?
0: It's going great, David. We started this podcast this month and now the Bears suddenly can't lose, right? I don't know if it's a coincidence, but they're playing a brand of football that is encouraging. Obviously, we are going to keep it all in perspective, I'm also appreciative this morning that you've got that green screen behind you, uh, using the 670 the Score uh, backdrop. So we can't see where you really are in Las Vegas, right? I, I imagine you're at a pool party at the MGM right now, getting ready to get wild or something. Yeah, I'm
1: in a cabana right now, uh, <laughs> waiting for my uh, drink with an umbrella in it, and we are here, and it is fun, and we had a great time. I watched the game in a partly in a limo oh. on our phones as we were getting transported from the airport and we got there uh in time to watch the the rest of the first quarter and the rest of the game at dinner while it was on one of the giant screens of the 2575 <laughs> screens that are here but we are at Circus Sports and it is a lot of fun and That's how we watched last night's game. No better place to be to watch a sporting event than in the midst of uh, a bunch of sports books and and gamblers and football fans. Circa is sweet,
0: man. We got the opportunity last year with the Bears playing the Raiders in Vegas to to go over there on Saturday and and take in uh, some of the college football action. And that place really has a vibe. As you mentioned, there's TVs everywhere. If if you're really looking to dial in on a game, there's no better place than, than, than that place.
1: Yeah, and it was fun to do. Molly and I and, and Dustin Rhodes and Mitch uh, Rhodes, and we you know, watched the game last night and had a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts, a lot to get to. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. All right, Dan, so obviously 27-11, you alluded to the fact that Bears are still <laughs> unbeaten. I don't know what that means because you can – uh, look at some of the, the issues but uh, when you look at it from a general perspective another encouraging night for Matt and crew I don't know how you how you look at it any other way right now yeah
0: I mean listen we could rename this podcast take the west right now because they've gone through the Chiefs and the AFC west and now the Seahawks and the NFC west and so maybe they can make their way back to the north here soon and and start adding those skins to the wall but I just think that that there is through two preseason games and again we're going to Step back in a minute or two and and put this all in the proper perspective. But there's a level of organization, there's a level of cohesion, there's a level of buy-in that's obvious, right? It's 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 obvious to the naked eye right now, and the Bears are passing the eye test with how uh, smoothly they're playing, with how few ridiculous errors they're making, right? I think the Seahawks had more than a few of those that just can't happen moments, right? That the Bears didn't have, right? And so that's a step in the right direction. Now again. Anybody who means anything to this team didn't play more than 15, 16 snaps on Thursday night. And so you have to keep that in perspective and understand that these are twos and threes and sometimes fours who are going to be on the street in a couple of weeks that are playing on our television sets right now. But certainly if you're looking to, to see the identity that Matt Eberflus is attempting to create and the standard that this team is looking to set, I think you're getting glimpses of that.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the interesting part about it for me. And I don't want to be football gullible. You know, you don't want to just buy in because of certain things that you see, that you like, that identify with your football sensibilities, uh, without realizing big <laughs> picture, they don't have a lot of talent on this right. roster. It's still talent deficient enough to where some people. We talked to Joe Fortenbaugh, you know, the Daily Wager on ESPN today. He, he's he bets on football for a living, and he talked thought, thought the Bears might be the worst team in the National Football League. Now, I don't agree with that, but I'm just using that as an example. We know they don't have talent, but again, last night, Dan. I saw evidence of coaching. You, you right. reference the penalties and you reference the the things getting in and out of a huddle. I like the fact that I can watch this defense already. Yeah. Find that they're listening and they're buying in to a concept that is easy to make fun of for a lot of people. The hits principle is is corny, old fashioned and all that. But you know what? These guys are buying in and it's obvious two games into this preseason.
0: Well, David, you lived the Lovey Smith era uh, up close, right? And, and you remember what it looked like when those defenses were flying around and how infectious that mentality became once results started to come with it, right? And so when you start to make a couple plays, when you start to take the ball away here or there, when you start to have these hits that change drives, that change games, all of a sudden that buy-in goes to another level. And now again, eventually you're going to have to get talent, right? Dan Orlovsky was doing color for ESPN on the broadcast and made it very... Very clear that uh, the Detroit Lions that didn't win a game in the regular season went 4-0 in the preseason, right? And so you have to be able to separate those two things and say, look, that things may look a certain way in August. By the time you start playing real teams in real games, they can look a lot different. But again, the standard, right, And, and the things that you're trying to establish, we could sit here for the next 25 weeks and belabor the point that the Bears don't have talent to win 10 games this year. It would get old. The baby-stepping process and the bridge-building process for this team is to establish a culture and establish an identity while they are wait for that additional talent to arrive. And right now, in the month of August, through training
1: camp, through these two preseason games, steps in the right direction. Before we get too specific in terms of the details about Justin Fields' night and some of the other things that stood out we're giving away our game balls, generally speaking, I, I, and I, I know I may be in a minority here because I know the way the NFL works with the preseason I would like to see more from the offense in terms of just repetitions. I would like to see them use the third preseason game after last night. We only saw nine plays for the first offense, you know, take an opportunity to get better and get more cohesive. And I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't think they have announced anything yet, Dan, but I, for one, I understand the risk of injury, but it exists for all 32 teams and there's different approaches by experienced coaches as well that view that preseason games as an opportunity to get experience for guys who need it. David, I, I'm really hoping to get more clarity
0: on this topic soon because I think it's important to figure out where the Bears are headed uh, before they get to the regular season. I think there are a lot of teams around the league that say put all of your meaningful players in bubble wrap and don't let them get hurt and just, you know, row the boat until you get to week one and, and, and take your your cautious route there. I truly believe that Matt Eberflus wants to lean in the direction of, of playing his ones to get more of this identity established, to get more of this repetition in there. Look, you've got an offensive line that needs to come together and build bonds in there you have a quarterback that needs to see more things and get uh you know luke getsy said it last week and we played some of it on the podcast here that that justin needs to uh, gain pocket presence right and understand what is needed up there to vacate the pocket when you should climb the pocket when you should slide around and make throws the only way you get those things is with experience so yes you want to be cautious and you make want to make sure that you keep them out of harm's way but you want to get him those looks and so i i am of the belief that the Bears, particularly with the longer week now and the chance to treat this like a regular season week where they can go through their, their normal practice schedule, Right, It's a Saturday game, but you know, on, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they'll go through their, their normal practice schedule. They'll do some game planning and treat this like the old third preseason game used to be treated. It's still the third preseason game, but now it's the last preseason game, and so it's confused a lot of things in people's heads on just exactly where they should be. Again, remember, they play Saturday in Cleveland, and there's 15 days before they, they take the field, so there is time to get guys healed up. There is time to, to be a little bit more cautious after that. I am with you that I think they should lean in the direction of playing guys let's see where matt takes this thing
1: how much of what happened last night in terms of progress by the bears and some of the young players has to be weighed against or in the context of the fact it was the seahawks and they kind of stink (laughs) and i can understand why people would come away from that thinking That looks like one of the worst teams in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the Seahawks and and Drew Locke is out with COVID and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett play three snaps apiece. And Geno Smith is running around. And so it is, you know, you have to keep that as part of the context. You, you, You lend to things. But you had to stay up until the final seconds of the third quarter to see the Seahawks score for the first time. And that score was a field goal that snapped a streak of 17 consecutive possessions by the Bears defense in which they didn't allow a point. Right. And so you say, I don't care who's on the field. That's pretty good if you can go 17 straight possessions dating back to the Chiefs game without giving up a single point. Now, listen, again, that's against Shane Bouchelle and Dustin Crum and Gino uh, Smith and, and, and Jacob Eason. Right. And so now you have uh, that context there. But I, I, I do think, again, that there's there's just a, a level of effort. A level of intensity, a level of not making stupid mistakes, that's showing up in a way that's producing quality results. And now you hope that the starters can do those same things um, when you get into it. I, you know, look, you know, if we're going to fully contextualize this, you say, okay, folks, remember the seventy-two-yard touchdown drive. That Patrick Mahomes led, right? That was the only time that you saw a actual first unit offense on the field this preseason, and they went right down the field and scored. Remember that Justin Fields and his first unit offense has been on the field for four possessions now and scored three points. I don't know if you're getting anywhere in the NFL if you average .75 points per possession. So again, all of this is context, but I think you, me, and most of the Chicago Bears fan base feels encouraged by the brand of football that has at least been put out there for the last right. season.
1: Right. I mean, Dan Orlovsky's right. The records in the preseason mean nothing, but I think that when you are a Bears fan and a longtime Bears observer, you understand progress and buy-in when you see it because, frankly, we haven't seen enough of it over the years. And you know when teams are are not responding to the coaches or may have tuned things out or just not a good mix. And, and I, I think so far, two games in, you can feel pretty good about at least the direction this team is headed and and the grip that Matt Aberflus has on uh, his defense, his offense, and the entire operation. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a
0: podcast going strong in our
1: All right, let's take a closer look at the quarterback. Okay, Dan, so each week we're going to look at Justin Fields and kind of zoom in on some of the specifics and some of the things that he, little things that mean a lot in his direction and his development because we all know what's at stake there. Defining moment from last night. Uh, Overall, generally describe what you saw and then what was his defining moment to you? Well,
0: overall, we saw half as many snaps as we saw the previous week, right? Nine snaps for that first unit offense before Cairo Santos came out and kicked the field goal. And yes, Cairo Santos coming on the field is a bright sign for the offense, right? You get points, right? You want to get points out of a drive they did out of the opening possession. The defining moment for me, David, was the first play from scrimmage. And it's a tight end screen, well-designed play, well-executed play to Cole Komet. The reason that I think that this is significant to me is that Cole Komet, in my mind, you've heard me talk about my arrow up on where I think Cole Komet's third season can go. He can be one of Justin Fields' best friends in 2022, particularly with the instability of the receiving core and the fact that, that basically Justin has Darnell Mooney and no one else in that receiving core that he really feels in sync with. So now, if Justin can get that vibe with Cole Komet. If Luke Getzi can understand how Cole Komet can be utilized to the greatest uh, strengths that he has. Now, all of a sudden you unlock another weapon in your offense that can take you places. Cole Komet takes a, a, a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage gets hit, you know, four yards beyond the line of scrimmage and keeps bowling for eight more yards, 12 yards, first down, Game, you know, that's a tone setting play for an offense to get an opening drive started. For me, that's the the defining moment just because of what it means for who Cole is, for who Cole is with Justin, for who Cole is with Justin and Luke combined.
1: Yeah, because as you know, a tight end can help a quarterback develop as much as a number one wide receiver can. We spend uh, so much time in Chicago clamoring over the lack of weapons. When you have a guy like Cole Komet, what he's capable of doing and you see a play like that or two plays – like that last night, it does encourage you for Justin Fields because he's going to need some help. It's not just his his own skill set, but you need to take, you know, and utilize those talents. And I think that was a good sign. So I think my defining moment is similar, but it's more uh, the it's more related to the the play that was called and the design of the play that was called and the 19 yard completion. Yeah, I love Justin Fields on the move. I think that's when you know he's. Feeling it, And that's when you can see him getting into a rhythm. Uh, We don't have a lot to judge by, but I think everyone can understand the value in making this quarterback who has all this athleticism more mobile. And he just seems more comfortable doing so. And I like the way he turned his shoulders and I like the way he delivered the pass. So to me, that is the one play. And I know it was only one play. He only played nine. Heck. Yeah, right. (laughs) That that was as defining as anything because of the play design from Luke Getzey because of the way that Justin Fields executed it and frankly who he was throwing to was significant as well
0: well david that's a that's a play fake and a short roll to the left and there were things that justin Fields showed as a rookie and his ability to go to his left and throw even without being fully set the 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 lower body mechanics and and the agility and and the athleticism to make some of those throws while going to your left that was evident on that play and a a dart to commit another 19 yard pickup a first down i think that was their second longest play from scrimmage offensively for the entire game on thursday night. So that's a positive sign. But seeing Justin get on the move and and be able to be comfortable and and whether he sets or he's just kind of set and still has that ability to make those throws to the target. Those are big signs. and, and, And hopefully they can unlock more of that. What else on the bright side? Well, we saw some protection leakage, but there were zero sacks. Right. And so that's an indicator that that the Bears can get around some of the inevitable protection issues that are going to exist This season, And so that's a step in the right direction for for your quarterback to not be on the ground a bunch on that opening drive. Again, it's only nine snaps. If he played 60, maybe he gets sacked four or five times and we're having a different conversation here. But I do think that Justin has to find an ability to use his uh, mobility to his his strengths and his advantages. And that Luke has to be in tune with, A, how much protection do we need to a lot, right, and keep at home to make things happen? And B, how can we... You know, take some shots, understanding that our quarterback has a weapon in his toolbox with his mobility that may allow us to keep one less guy in and send another guy out in a pattern because you expect that your your quarterback with his athleticism can escape, be elusive and make a throw. So no sacks to
1: me was another thing to highlight. OK, as we break this into categories, my on the bright side would be the 10th play. And I know you're thinking, oh, we only <laughs> played nine. No, the 10th play, because they drew off the Seahawks. Uh, they drew them off sides. And I do wonder this, and I, I didn't have – I'm not going to pretend I was ha- having a chance to ask about this after the game. I wasn't at the game, but I am curious, Dan, because when I hear Tom Thayer, I think he told us on the Molling Haas show last week about how the Bears have toyed around or emphasized Luke Getzey has using the cadence as a weapon. You, we, we see it in Green Bay Yeah. It's not necessarily just Aaron Rodgers, but I think it's a point of emphasis there. You can use your cadence and snap count, and it's all about your quarterback's inflection and the way that he learns how to draw teams and defenses off Number one, it can keep drives alive like it did on fourth down. And number two, it can get you the benefit of a free play every now and then, which we have seen Rodgers take advantage of. And when you're a young quarterback, sometimes I think that would give you an opportunity to let it fly to let it roll and to, you know, I'm in Vegas to take a risk, and, you know, roll the bones a little bit. And I think that was what I, when I saw that, I'm like, okay, I wonder what was behind that. I wonder how he did that. And I, and I wonder if there's more to come.
0: Well, I can tell you that last year's coaching staff really, really wanted to get to a lot more with their cadences with Justin. And they just couldn't because it was a rookie who was you know, shuffling through training camp as the backup who was starting and then he wasn't starting and then he was starting again and he was hurt. And there was all these uh, iterations to Justin's rookie season that didn't allow them to get the evolution that they hoped for in that department. Well, now Justin's in year two. And sure, he's learning a new offense and a new system. He's got a lot on his plate, but I think that he can handle a little bit more. And so Luke Getze is willing to push that envelope a little bit because of what you just said, understanding that we can do things now that, that keep a defense honest. We can do things now that potentially buy us a first down or a free play that allows us to take a shot with a guy who throws a really pretty deep ball. And hopefully the Bears can unlock more of that going forward. That's a small moment in a game in August, but it's big moment if it foreshadows something, right? And, and, it, and it tells us that that there's something there that the Bears can get going. Now, again, is the Seahawks probably a little bit antsy on that fourth and one play and jumped, uh, it, it made a mistake that, that we're so used to Bears teams in the last few years making and the Seahawks made it and, and you got an extension of the drive on it. But yeah, I think there's a, that's a, a really subtle storyline that's worth keeping track on as we get into the, the, the months of the regular season.
1: All right, let's go through the next two categories, the strength and your uh-oh moment. So my uh-oh moment's
0: really easy for me because it goes back to something that we're going to talk about in the uh-oh category a lot. It's Justin Fields scrambling. It's Justin Fields' ball security. And so he gets out on a third and three play when there's a uh, a, a rusher that gets free and, and, and beats his man up front and, and clutters the pocket and Justin's got to take off quickly. Well, Justin takes off quickly and he goes to dive and he comes up pretty short of the line to gain, but still tries to extend the ball and the ball comes out. Now he was down and it wasn't a fumble, but for a guy who fumbled 12 times as a rookie, for a guy who was turning the ball over and has had ball security stress to him, who has been told, you have to have situational awareness. You have to know where you're on the field if you're going to extend that ball out with your hand and take a chance. That was a play where you say, uh-oh. And again, we talked last week about the slide that put him in, in harm's way, right? And 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 the understanding of, when to scramble, how to scramble, when to get down, how to get down. These are still things that aren't, aren't naturally uh, fluid for Justin at this point. He's got to get better in that, that department. He's got to prioritize ball security, and he got away with one Thursday night, but I promise you in those meetings at Hallis Hall that they're going to bring that, uh, that sequence up on video three or four times and just remind him, got to take care of the ball, particularly if you're a full yard short of the line to game.
1: I think you're right. If that's my moment as well because you cannot be a quarterback whose strength is his mobility when you have such a problem with ball security. You just can't. And that's going to limit him, and it's going to limit the offense. So by definite, by extension, it's going to limit him and his ability or his opportunities to make plays. So that was the one that stood out. There's no doubt about it. Um, I'll start with the strength. I think strength overall was just the, the – you see things that – Again, on that rollout and just the command, it's coming. It's coming. It's it's a small sample size, but I think that you you said early on that you need to see in training camp examples beyond command and and brilliant plays, and you want the Bears you know social media team to be tweeting out yeah. examples from practice. And you know what, the, the, those I think are gradually coming. But I think last night we saw more of the command and ownership of that offense that you need to see, and I think that shouldn't be ignored just because we we need to see more you can't take those things for granted. Uh, obviously, I think the Bears boarded the plane
0: home with a little better feeling because of the three points that were on the scoreboard. But again, I go back to the three points on four drives and that's got to be uh, greater, right? There's, they have to be more productive. And that's why I, I just lean in the direction of, you need to get fields in this first unit offense some work in Cleveland, David, because if you don't, you're going into the regular season without any sort of momentum, any so- sort of, of chemistry. I understand the risks of playing them, but I really do think that this group and Justin in particular, need to build something you need to see a few more completions to receivers who are going to matter during the regular season you know you need to see that your offensive line can hold up a little bit before just going and playing the 49ers and saying all right good luck guys i hope hope it goes well today right so hopefully uh those three points lead to discussions where the bears coaching staff says yeah we'd like to get a lot more out of this and let's try to squeeze a little bit more out of that browns game before we fully uh immerse ourselves in regular season prep
1: so what was your big number that was it the three
0: the three points right like it's it's big it's big for two reasons right it's big because they scored and it's big because they haven't scored enough in these first two games and so uh that hopefully is a step in the right direction
1: yours is three mine's 19 the length of completion of colt Komet. i know that in chicago we will spend every waking hour until the next opportunity to break down each of those 19 (laughs) yards and the pass route we will dissect but you know what they didn't give us a whole lot to look at. And I think you have to feel good about that and build some momentum. So that would be uh, to me uh, a big enough number to, to focus on because it is a positive. All right. It's time to give away some game balls. You first. All right. Um,
0: I'm going to steer away from Cole because we've talked about Cole so much here in in the first couple segments. So, so Cole gets a, you know, he gets his, his, his recognition in front of the team in the huddle, but I'm giving my first game ball to Bayless Jones. Bayless Jones is a guy that we've talked about has to help this team as a rookie. Hopefully that's with a significant role on offense. Absolutely. It has to be with a significant role on special teams because that's a big reason they drafted him on day two. And so you see him bust that punt return in the first half on Thursday night, 48 yard game, David, that, that, that he, he really showed a, a, great combination of patience and decisiveness and the decisiveness when you have the decisiveness and then you have the accelerator that can take you into free space faster than most human beings can run it's a big weapon and so him getting free getting a couple key blocks along the left sideline turning in a, a 48 yard return that then gives Trevor Simeon a 33 yard field to work with those are the plays that a team with a thin margin for error has to make to be successful in this league. And so a 33 yard touchdown drive is a short field that your defense didn't have to set up for you with a takeaway, right? You make that play like Bayless Jones did. That's the equivalent of your defense, getting a sack fumble, right. And, and and setting you up with that short field, big deal.
1: That's a good choice because I think we talked about where will Bayless Jones make the biggest contribution, special teams or the offense. You know what? If he contributes big enough on special teams, it'll limit how much he has to contribute to the offense. Yeah. You're dealing with a short field. I like that choice. I will go with a choice. Now, I know, and I'm going to – I always want to preface this by saying, having broken down every snap, there might be examples that make this sound silly, but I I look at Tevin Jenkins, and I see a guy that learned on Monday, I think it was, that he's going to be playing right guard. And three days later, two practices after that, he's in a, you know, a live setting blocking a guy in another uniform at a position he hasn't played a lot of. (laughs) And that's asking a lot. And I think the expectations are high, but they should be because of where he was drafted. And I don't think he got embarrassed. And I know it is a low bar to clear. But I wonder if last night, if if they grade the tape and they look at the film and they say, well, you know what? He wasn't bad if you just do this here and some technique things, some mental things, perhaps. The adjustment has got to be a little bit awkward having guys on either side of you rather than just – Uh, a tackle at the end flank and, you know, blocking the blind side or whatever the case. I like the Bears if they're able to get the most out of this player because of his draft status and because of all the attention paid him. And I don't think last night was a bad night for Tevin Jenkins. So under the circumstances, I will give him a game ball because of how quickly he had to learn a position that it would be great if he could master.
0: Three great words from you there under the circumstances. What a weird month this has been for Tevin Jenkins from the day that he reported to training camp until now and all of the things that have happened in his world. You think about that Saturday that he uh, met with reporters for the first time in camp and how just sort of unhappy and uncomfortable he looked in in discussing his his current state. I'm not sure he's any more happy or comfortable right now, but he certainly has been given a, a, an opportunity that he is at least digging into. And when Tevin is in that Mauler's mindset, right, and you see him move people off the football as a run blocker, you say, yeah, that's that's the guy that was graded by a lot of people as a first-round talent in the 2021 draft. Now, can the Bears squeeze that out of him consistently? And now, can they carve out a role for him? Again, you and I, I think, are in full agreement that the, the end results of the 2022 season will not um, be judged on the win loss record. It'll be on how much progress has been made by young potential building blocks on this team. And so you now can take a, a few more risks through that lens in in saying, okay, maybe he is going to make some mistakes at guard. Maybe he is going to have some rough moments in September and October if we choose to play him there and choose to start him there. But if he can develop at that position and become a long-term starter for us and we find guys at the tackle positions that can also start for us, now maybe we go into 2023 without as many needs to fill on the offensive line. And so certainly worth keeping an eye on beyond Thursday night and, and what went down in Seattle. But man, I, again, under the circumstances, Tevin certainly uh, had a nice night.
1: Our budget doesn't allow to give up more than two game balls. But, uh, so maybe some signed gloves or something. I have a couple other, three other people quickly to mention. Number one, Elijah Hicks. He, you know, she, anytime you score a touchdown and and do that in an in NFL game as a rookie, you, you got to point that out. Jack Sanborn, again, seven tackles. I hope that he's on his way to making this roster. I sense he will be at least on the practice squad, the very minimum. So yes. I think he's got a future ahead of him, which is exciting for, you know a local guy and and, and certainly a, a big 10 linebacker the kind of guy the kind of a throwback player and also this is going to be a weekly public service announcement for <laughs> the the value of backup quarterbacks who are serviceable solid but not spectacular trevor simeon to me is at the right place for the bears he's the right guy to back up justin fields he provides you protection and security, and a peace of mind if something happens to Justin Fields as he's lunging for that extra yard, yeah, maybe gets hurt. But Trevor Simeon, again, proved something last night. I mean, we've
0: lived this quarterback life in Chicago. We know that starters don't start every game of the regular season. There's going to come a moment where Trevor Simeon is, Simeon is suddenly sitting at that podium on a Wednesday talking to us about the upcoming game, and you're going, oh, God, Trevor's starting. It's coming. It's going to happen in 2022. So for him to, to sort of show the comfort that he has expressed – right like he's talked all along that he wanted to come here because this offense uh really feels good to him and and so to to show that comfort and game action is a a promising sign on a lower level because they're going to need him at some point this season
1: all right time for the two-minute drill the two-minute drill the two-minute drill
0: Yeah, you mentioned Elijah Hicks. So why don't we start there? Because the Bears steal a touchdown in the closing seconds of the first half on a muffed punt that the Seahawks muff inside their own 10-yard line. The Bears have three guys down there with a chance to to recover. Elijah Hicks is the guy that does get on it in the end zone. Rookie scoring a touchdown in a preseason game, big deal. But it's also, uh, to me, it was you want a clip to show in front of the team meeting uh, the next time you gather at Hallis Hall that demonstrates the entirety of the hits principle, hustle, intensity, takeaway, and situational smarts, that entire sequence had it. <laughs> good punt by Trenton Gill, good coverage, good hustle, good intensity, took the ball away, scored a touchdown.
1: Hits! Yes, that's a good one. I also think that you just glossed over the name, but it's it's one that we're going to hear a lot this year, and he's done pretty well so far. Trent Gill is a is a draft pick. When it was made, you're like, What? A punter, really? <laughs> in a punter, going to be busy guy. But I think that they have, he's put himself in a position to be trusted because of how consistent he has been. I know it's only two games, but I like what I see. Yeah, I believe Trenton was the last,
0: you can double check me on this, the last of their 11 picks in this class in, in, on day three, seven, seventh rounder, and listen, if you want to get into the minutia, Dan, Dan Bernstein was asking me about Trenton Gill uh, earlier in the week, and Cairo Santos has talked to us about Trenton Gill's athletic hands, and you want minutia of three-season <laughs> football, you talk about the holder, punter's athletic hands and his ability to kind of like a catcher frame pitches, but but catch Patrick Scales' a snap and get it down while he's spinning it and, and, and have... Have a very clean hold for Cairo Santos, Trenton Gill as a holder. I mean, man, I'm telling you, we're really going to dive deep in this podcast that and talking is about that.
1: The kind of detail that <laughs> Bernstein would love. Yeah, you know, that is definitely the Bernstein The Take the North I audience think. loves that too, so we got to give. Yeah, we love that kind of so a new <laughs> shit. All right, now here's the. It, it, there's more to it uh, to get to than just the two minute drill, but I think we need to close by addressing the Roquan Smith situation because he was there. And I said on the radio this morning that Ryan Poles was so spent so much time on camera. I thought he was the fourth yeah. guy in the booth. Yeah. As much screen time as he got. They talked about the issue. We heard from Lewis Riddick. Always respect where he's coming from. I don't know where this is headed, Dan, but here's a player that made the flight to Seattle on the sidelines, working out before the game, standing there next to Robert Quinn. Do you know any more? Can we read anything into the fact that he was at least with the team? Is there any reason to think that before the next game that they can strike a deal? Uh, you would hope that before they started in-depth preparations
0: for the 49ers, right? which again, there's going to be a two-week span between the, the game in Cleveland and when they play the 49ers at Soldier Field, you would hope at some point, if Roquan is going to be on the field for you at all in week one, that you're able to get that so that he can do the full two weeks of preparation for that season opening game and be a, a player who can impact things. Now, business doesn't work that way, right? And we still don't know just how hurt Roquan's feelings remain after that statement that that he uh Issued a week and a half ago now, right? There there are people around the league that say, boy, when you reflect back on that 10 days later, there was a lot of grandstanding within that statement that may not necessarily have gotten the desired results. Now, again, it's like, how does Ryan Poles go about standing his ground while still not alienating one of his best players? And if they're going to try to get a deal done, how does it get there? Such a confusing situation and the confusion hasn't really cleared itself up. I still am of the belief that a deal is going to get done and Roquan's going to play for the Bears in, in 2022. But, man, there are no indicators that that is imminent and there are no indicators that that the progress is so significant that we should be, uh, you know, readying for an emergency pod that says Roquan's got either a, a deal or has agreed to play the final year of his of his rookie contract and, and figure out where things go from there.
1: A couple of key points that I think are worth making. We saw the Chargers strike a deal with Derwin James, and we saw that happen after a 14-day hold-in they made him the highest paid safety in the NFL because of a couple of things. Number one, he's worth the investment in their minds. They, they have a lot of guys to pay as well. They have more stars than the Bears do on their roster. They got a deal done because he's got professional representation that were able to strike a deal and negotiate compromise, see the wisdom in striking a compromise, and getting him a deal that he might have wanted to be longer, but he still – it rewards him – And he puts him on a pedestal that maybe he hasn't earned yet. I could name five safeties. I probably would rather have than Durbin James. But that doesn't mean he's the best. It just means it's his turn. He's up now. And I think Roquan Smith, to some degree, that's the parallel to draw. He's not the best linebacker in football, off the ball, on the ball, or otherwise. But it might be his turn. I think the Bears have to recognize that as well. And look, we don't have the details. But that's one of the things I think it's worth remembering. The other two things. Quickly, they have the sixth most cap space right now in the NFL. It's, it's $16.5 million, I think, somewhere along those lines. So they have the wiggle room financially and with the cap to make a deal with your best player. And I think when you when you look ahead, and last night they used this as a graphic, projected cap space over $100 million in, in 2023, the most of any other team in terms of projections in the National Football League with those realities as an executive as a first-time gm you got to find a way you've got to find a way because i don't think that people will buy the argument if you can't strike a deal that you didn't have that 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 you were squeezed financially different teams find ways to keep their best players and the best teams find ways to keep talent in-house roquan smith's a talent i think they've got to find a way somehow to keep him in house. I know it takes two. That doesn't take one side or the other, but common sense has got to prevail at some point for both sides two footnotes to those points.
0: A lot of people point out that the Bears still have the uh, ability to use the franchise tag in 2023. This year's franchise tag for off-the-ball linebackers, or for linebackers, I'm sorry, was $18.7 million. So it's not a deep discount, right? That would be essentially doubling Roquan's salary for this season next year. You also know the the ramifications that come with putting a guy on the franchise tag, right? Particularly after you've had drawn-out contract strife. It's not a pretty situation. And so that that is, to me, a last resort if you want to get anything meaningful full uh, productivity wise out, out of Roquan Smith because of the things that can go wrong because of hard feelings and, and, and just, Mindset, right? And the temperament that goes with it. The Derwin James situation to me is notable for another reason that ties into what you just talked about. The Chargers are still not paying Justin Herbert what Justin Herbert's ultimately going to get paid, right? Justin Herbert's going to get a Brinks truck at some point here real soon and show up at, the, at their facility and, and unload every bit of money that they have there. Right now, the flexibility and not having to pay your quarterback that allows you the opportunity to pay other guys. So they're paying Khalil Mack this year and they're paying Bosa and they're paying Derwin James and they're paying Mike Williams and they've got the ability to to pay some of these other guys while they're getting their quarterback on a discount and the bears are in that same boat right now with justin fields for a couple more years and so you can find that wiggle room as you mentioned to make one of your guys happy now again it comes down to to your belief in the player it it comes down to your belief in the person it comes down to your belief in in future projections and eventually that bridge that we've been talking about now for a month between roquan and the bears has to be uh you know built right it has to get to the middle in some way shape or form without any further turmoil for this thing to to be resolved
1: and so we'll see where it heads here in the coming days all right let's wrap up by looking ahead of what is on the calendar and in terms of cuts and, of course, the Cleveland Browns.
0: Yeah, so first and foremost, we get the last day of practice on Saturday, August 20th, open to the public for training camp. So if you're interested in getting up to Lake Forest and checking out the Bears, I think they're sold out, but if you can get your hands on some tickets, that's the last day that it's open. They're going to have two days of practice, an off day, and then go into that, as we talked about earlier, that traditional game week prep with three days of practice, structured the way their game week practices will be structured, and then off to Cleveland. In the middle there. As you mentioned, there will be another wave of cuts, a small wave. They've got to get down from 85 to 80 by Tuesday, right? So there's five more guys that will see their NFL futures going a different direction. Bears continue trying to build this thing. And then, you know, uh, now, thankfully, this is a... a, development in recent years that NFL writers owe the league for they've moved final cuts away from Labor Day weekend and bumped them up to the middle of the week before Labor Day weekend so you don't have to spend your Saturday Labor Day weekend calling 150 agents trying to figure out who made the team and who didn't but they got to get that roster down to 53 uh, a few days before Labor Day weekend begins and that's going to be a a bigger challenge obviously to cut from 80 to 53 Uh, expanded practice squads allow you to, to not stress as much as you used to 16 guys in the practice squad there so so, again, a lot of mechanics are going to be coming up in these, these next couple weeks, even if the game action isn't going to be uh, substantive or, or voluminous,
1: I guess. Sounds good. Voluminous. I like the word. <laughs> like the way you ended. Dan, I got to go. I got a guy who's here with a drink. and there's an I was going to say the pool party, the, the, the DJ's way. about to start. <laughs> they just uh, changed dealers over there at the blackjack table. So I think I got to get in line, get up to the table, have some fun. I'm in Vegas. You're going to be a practice tomorrow. It's going to be uh, an interesting week. It always is when you have a new regime. A lot of things could happen. Look, we're going to keep you posted as much as we can here. If they have news on Roquan Smith, we'll jump in. We'll kind of keep things fluid as we get through this preseason. And uh, we'll just uh, stay on top of things.
0: Stay safe out there, David. Stay safe.
1: <laughs> All right, for Dan Weeder, I am David Haw. It's to Take the North podcast at take the north pod on twitter it's at dan Wiederer, w-i-e-d-e-r-e-r and it's at david haw and our producer adam studzinski has done a terrific job studs we will get you involved um, and uh, get your thoughts as we progress here thank you for joining us this morning keep in touch on Twitter. You can tweet at us. You can tweet at studs on the on the uh, Twitter account. Do whatever you need to do. Just uh, know we will be here talking all things Bears all season long.